Um, we're going to continue the series we've been doing that's called For All. And the point is that Jesus was born for all, that it was for everybody. Um, as Allison was saying earlier, not just for those back then when Jesus was born, but for all of us. And um, so we're going to continue looking at that uh, this morning. Now, in the lectionary, the second Sunday of Advent turns to John the Baptist. And if you're not uh, really uh, familiar with the liturgical calendar, that seems kind of odd. Because uh, we don't really normally think of John the Baptist as a part of the Christmas story. There's no little uh, John the Baptist figurine to put in your crash at home. Uh, there's no John the Baptist, um, you know, Christmas carols. Uh, so he seems kind of like an outlier. But uh, in, in the liturgical year, they, he's always included because he's the one who comes to prepare the way. The, the messenger that Isaiah promised would come to prepare the way for the Messiah. So it's always this second season of the second week of Advent that we, um, we talk about John as the voice of the one who's crying in the wilderness to prepare the way. And so this morning he shows us how we prepare ourselves for the birth or for the Messiah that we are um, looking forward to as we celebrate Christmas. So um, beginning in the Gospel of John or Mark chapter 1 in the very first verse. The beginning of the good news of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside went out and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So the gospel, uh, according to Mark, does not begin with an angel whispering in Mary's ear or Joseph having a dream that tells him what to do. As a matter of fact, if the only gospel we had were Mark's gospel, we would know nothing of the shepherds abiding in the field and the, the choir, the heavenly choir that sang to them. We would have never heard about the king or the magi who followed or the star that they followed um, that led them to where Jesus was at. We would have never known about the uh, inn that was too crowded for them to stay in. There is no cattle lowing. There is none of that in Mark's gospel. Instead of starting with those, those stories, Mark starts with, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he says it begins with a prophecy from a long time ago from a guy named Isaiah that one would come to prepare the way for the Messiah. He would be a voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And so Mark's Christmas story 
Instead of beginning with angels or Mary or Joseph or any of those, he begins with John the Baptist. And not fetus John the Baptist, who was in Elizabeth's womb when uh, Mary came by and the story about how he jumped when Mary walked, came by while she was pregnant with Jesus. Not that story, but he starts with the adult version of John the Baptist. Uh, the full-grown, uh, shaggy, long hair and a beard, standing knee-deep in water, wearing camel hair clothes, skinny as a pole. And he shouted, repent and be forgiven. One of my seminary professors, Dr. Bill Leonard, who is a Baptist, wrote that John the Baptist always scared him as a child. That, you know, John came to age in the desert, perhaps influenced by the Qumran community, anticipating the, the day, the coming day of the Lord. So John just came storming out of the desert preaching. Repent of your sins, like some Texas evangelist, lean and mean and direct. And Dr. Leonard said when he was small, those stories frightened him. But his grandmother told him not to be afraid. After all, John was a Baptist, so it'd be all right. I remember evangelists like that. They used to come through the little town where I grew up every spring like a tornado. And they would come through and hold revivals. And I remember particularly one who told this horrible story about a man who was caught, it was in a car accident, and he was trapped in the car and he couldn't get out and the car caught on fire and people were around him, but they couldn't do anything to help him to, to get out of the flames, except he was very graphic in his telling of this story. And then he told us, of course, that was what hell was like and that's where we were all headed if we didn't repent. And then uh, he talked about all the sins that people commit and... Um, since a lot of us teenagers were there, he threw in listening to rock music and um, girls who wore the dresses too short. And I have to admit, he did scare me, but not enough to throw away any of my Almond Brother 8-tracks. But I have to admit, I did look over my shoulder when I played them after that for a while. I have to agree with, with Dr. Leonard Mark chose a frightening way to begin his gospel. Instead of angels or a chubby-cheeked little baby, you get John the Baptist, this long-limbed, stern prophet. He reminds me of one of those um, street corner preachers that we see every now and then. You know, the bullhorn guy. And... Um, Except there's, there's two main differences between John the Baptist and most street preachers I see these days. One difference is that people flocked to hear John. I mean, they, they came, multitudes of them came to hear what John had to say. Mark said the whole Judean countryside came out to see him. People who lived in the city made their way out into the desert to hear what John had to say. Uh, now, most street corner preachers that I've seen People are flocking to hear them. Uh, most people usually two streets before cross the road so they don't, can avoid them. But not John. People went out of their way to hear John. And another difference is, unlike a lot of the street corner preachers who find the busiest intersection in the city, John went to a stream out in the, in the desert where nobody was going to accidentally stumble across him. 
It was his message that drew people. They wanted to hear what John had to say. And they came from all over to hear what John had to say. And you know, there were synagogues. And there was this beautiful temple. There were priests and there were rabbis. There were people all around who could tell them about God, but they, they bypassed all of them to go out and see this wild-looking man in the desert and see what he had to say. They came from all over. And they lined up beside the river and they confessed their sins. And then they let this oddly dressed man with the wild eyes dunk them in the river. When I imagine the scene, I imagine there's some people who are crying. Usually when there's confession and repentance going on, there's someone who's crying. Sometimes we go to God with a stern face and we confess our sins and make the promise we'll never do it again. But sometimes we go to God and we're so broken and there's nothing to say. And we just get on our knees and cry. We may say, I'm sorry, or have mercy. But either way, John put them under. <laughs> and there was also some celebrating. One man uh, walked up out of the water with a smile. One woman came up out of the water and gave the scruffy old prophet a hug around the neck. Another woman did a fist pump on her way out of the river. Who knows? Somebody may have stepped up on the bank and T-bowed. But they were all excited. And who wouldn't be? Who wouldn't be excited at the opportunity to come clean? Who doesn't celebrate when you finally get that opportunity? And that's the opportunity that John offered. That's why they came from miles away and let him dunk them in this muddy river so that on the inside they could be clean, finally. And it wasn't a baptism of convenience or a baptism of conformity. It was a baptism of repentance. It was a baptism of coming clean. Now, we don't talk much about repentance these days, and especially not around the holidays. But that is the message of Advent. That is how we prepare for Christmas. We know that, um, you know, this is the time of the year to buy gifts and decorate the house and eat too much food. But Mark reminds us that it's also the time to come clean. It's also the, the time to experience God's forgiveness because the one born on Christmas Day comes to us with forgiveness. And the message that he brought from God is that every single one of us are loved. We are loved. Even in our sins, even in our mistakes, we are loved. And he came so that we could come clean and be rid of all that. I mean, you know, we, all the things we've all, that we've ever done that we wish we could forget, those can all be forgiven. We can come clean if we want. And after we come clean, we're accepted by God. And then there's the second part of this message of John. He said, if you think it's great to come clean and be forgiven, well, then, you know, I can baptize you in water and you can wash your sins away. But you just wait. Because I can't hold a candle to the one coming after me, John said. He's going to not only offer you forgiveness, he's going to make you whole. 
Make you everything you were created to be. I'm not worthy to take off his shoes. You confess sins that I dunked you in a dirty river. He's going to wash you clean on the inside and give you a new spirit and make you everything God created you to be. In other words, there's more to this than just being forgiven, as great as that is, because we all need forgiveness. But the one that's coming after me, he's going to make you whole. He's going to take all the broken pieces inside and he's going to make them right. He's going to make you what he created you to be. And he's not going to stop working in your life until you become everything you were created to be. Listen, if you think what I've been saying is good, I'm just the opening act. (laughs) Wait till you hear the real band. And I think John is teaching us something really important here. As important as forgiveness is, and it is important for all of us because we always constantly need it, but that's the starting point. There's more. Not only can we be forgiven, we can actually become more like Jesus. We can become more like God created us to be. And you know, too often in church, we talk about being forgiven and coming clean, and then we stop there. But once you come clean, the one who is coming will put his spirit in you and help you to become whole. I was talking with a friend uh, once who taught an adult Sunday school class in another church. And um, he said one day he asked the class, he said, how many of you were taught that um, after you ask God to forgive you, that then God starts working in your life to make you whole and that there's a whole other aspect to being a Christian besides just being forgiven. And one honest man in the class said, uh, you know, no one ever told me that. They told me there was, that it was about being forgiven, that God would forgive me. And then I, after you're forgiven, he said, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> but there's a second part of that that's really important. is that God then begins to work in our lives and help transform us to becoming who God created us to be. You know, the the Christmas story in every gospel starts with a messenger. In some of them, the messenger is an angel. In this one, it's John the Baptist who is flesh and blood, although I believe he would be just about as scary as an angel. Tan and disheveled, he shows us the way to celebrate the birth of the one who's coming. He shows us the way to Christmas. It's a way that starts with confession and repentance. It's the opportunity to come clean. And then it continues down the path of being transformed as we follow Jesus. It's not a one-time dunk in the water. It is a lifetime journey. But the one who is coming is more wonderful than we can imagine. And the end of his message is, is hope. Hope that we will not be left as we are, but that God will help move us along to who we always dreamed that we could be. The people that God created us to be. Forgiveness and hope and transformation. That's the way to Christmas. And that's the way we celebrate the birth of Jesus. So what about you? Have you come clean?
Or there's some things in your life you need to come clean about. And you need to ask God for forgiveness. For things you've done that have hurt you, that have hurt others, things you wish you could be different, but they aren't. This is the time to ask for forgiveness and find grace because this one who came, came to offer us forgiveness. Or maybe you've come clean. Maybe you understand what it means to be forgiven, but forgiveness was the end of the journey for you. You didn't realize that God's Holy Spirit lives within you to continue to make you more like Jesus each and every day that we're willing to give our lives to him and offer God the opportunity to work in us. But the good news is, it's not just forgiveness, but it's also being made whole. We have that to move towards. And that's what we celebrate. Because the one who came, came not only to forgive, but to make us whole. This is the way to Christmas. Coming clean and transformation is not just for preachers and religious folks. We all need it. And this is why Christ was born. This is why he came for all of us. So we could come clean and find forgiveness. And so we could finally be on that journey of being made whole. And that's for all of us.